will we start to see prices like six fifty or, or whatnot, seven bucks, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, more widespread? I think, yeah, absolutely, because that's the right price. That's what it's worth. It's a specialty product that's been laboured over for hours, days, years um, at Origin. You know, it's finessed over when it finally gets here. It's served in a in a cafe that you know the operators probably spent half a million bucks on. At every possible part of the chain, there's been so much care put into these products, but the price or value hasn't really uh, adjusted for that. Raw, a podcast by Lightspeed and Poe. This is a podcast about the highs and lows of running a hospitality business. In collaboration with the Poe Network, which you've come to know with a conversation amplified. We have frank and open discussions about the state of the industry from the best leaders in hospitality. We aim to capture the extent of how far conversations can go. Uncensored, stripped and genuine, powerful and grounded in confidence. We unpack the unique first-hand experience from the experts tackling the very real and at times intense issues in our industry. Now let's get into today's show. St. Ali was one of the first specialty coffee brands in Australia and blazed a path for what we define as specialty coffee in Melbourne. Since its inception in 2005, St. Ali has been an industry leader in direct relationship with farmers, in-house roasting, expert coffee brewing, and a best-in-class food offering. They have always pushed the boundaries of what a coffee brand can be, and whilst they have their landmark venue in the laneways of South Melbourne, they have grown into so many different verticals of coffee and food products that are now proudly sold worldwide. They have collaborated with such brands as Mercedes-Benz, Mr. Black, Archie Rose and Coco Black, just to name a few. And I feel really fortunate to chat with the CEO Lachlan Ward today as they make an entry back into expanding their footprint in hospitality venues in 2023. Lachlan, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. So let's talk about how St. Ali started out and then how you came to be involved in the brand. Yeah, cool. So look, St. Ali was one of those pioneering coffee brands way back when in 2005. Um, it started yeah in South Melbourne on, on Yarra Place where it stays today and I guess was one of the first sort of cafe roasteries I guess, uh, flying the specialty flag. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's a pretty commonplace term um, in 2022. But back then it was something that was different in market and 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 uh, was exciting for, for people who were interested in coffee and um, wanted to explore things further. Mm. So um, I came into the business uh, 2010, which was sort of five, six years into its into its life and um, had already sort of established itself as a, I guess, a, yeah, as a, as a pioneer in the coffee space and mm. um, a trendsetter in the coffee space. Um, and I was attracted to it initially because I loved coffee. Um, I like, like a lot of uni students, you know, working in hospitality to pay the bills and um, I sort of got further and further into my study and... Um, and found myself thinking about coffee more um, and and being involved in the product than than doing what I studied. So um, yeah, it sort of kind of just fell into it and have have stuck with it. What did you do first in coffee? I was a barista. Yeah, yeah. So um, just a local cafe or something. Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah. So you know, nothing nothing flash, nothing fancy. But um, we we've got another brand in the business sensory lab and um their first concept store was was in the city on on little, on little collins street there and 
Um, I saw a job opening one day when I was in the computer lab at uni, probably finishing out one of my last assignments and thought, fuck, why not? I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring and I've been here since. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what drew you in? Like if you, were, if you were doing study before and then coming to it, obviously you've had a really long history in the industry now, especially with coffee. Like what, what was that romantic sort of notion that got you into hospitality to stay? Uh, look, I've always loved more people really and working with people and, you know, um, the coffee industry is a small and passionate one um, and sort of the more you sort of start to peel the, the layers, you sort of realise how much there is to it and how, how little you, you sort of know starting out. So I was just um, intrigued and fascinated and just wanted to learn more. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's sort of why I got into it and... Um, yeah, it was it was just more interesting to me than um, what I was studying, and um, yeah, just wanted to see where it went. Yeah, can you explain what Saint Ali was like when you came and joined in sort of two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven, and how it's sort of different now? Yeah, look, I mean, Saint Ali uh, is and was and always will be a pretty entrepreneurial sort of. Uh, boundary pushing brand I mean way back when um it was pretty early days um so you know there was you know week to week month to month there was always new exciting things happening in the business and um you know we were uh sort of making things up as we went a little bit um uh, back then, you know, it was sort of two stores you know we were roasting uh, on the shop floor in St Ali um you know, we're a small business essentially. Mm. Um, and although we were sort of gaining notoriety and, you know, position in market, um, you know, it was a, a small business really. Um, you know, fast forward today, we've got, you know, 150 odd staff. Um, the primary business is a little bit different now, you know, it's moved into other other areas. Um, but that spirit's still there, you mm. know. Um, the core group of people in our business are, are still very much coffee people. You know, we've sort of grown and matured uh, in the business as, as it has. And, um, you know, it's it's been a special journey for, for me and a lot of people because, you know, it's afforded us a lot of opportunities that you'd never expect getting into coffee or working in a local cafe. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been fun. Do you think looking back now you can understand the importance of St. Ali in, in that time of your career i mean obviously saint ali's been a pioneer in so many things in the melbourne coffee culture which is you know one of the world's leading coffee um sectors um can looking back now can you see how dynamic a business saint ali was at that point yeah absolutely and i think probably take it for granted um <laughs> in a lot of ways you know you sort of look at things that are on bar today you know all around the all around the world and i guess in best best in category venues and a lot of that stuff you know, we, we were one of the people sort of driving some of those things and some of those, you know, things that improve quality on bar or improve, improve workflow or um, different ways of brewing, that kind of stuff. You know, it sort of, it was all happening here. So whether it was with us or in this sort of community, it was an exciting time to be in coffee and, um, you know, yeah, like I said, things that we take for granted today and just I guess the overall quality in, in Melbourne and sort of I guess, you know, in, in Australia more generally, has has all benefited from sort of some of the stuff that was happening here, mm. you know, you know what ten years ago. Yeah, it must humble you, humble you a bit though. If you look back at all those people you've trained and all the things you've been a part of, and those mm. people going on and doing their own cafes and their own businesses and imparting other knowledge on people in the yeah, cafe look, industry, right? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, 
No, for sure. I mean, I don't, probably don't think about it too often, I guess. But no, it is nice to see um, people that I've, I've worked with uh, and spent time with over the years go on and achieve things um, in, in the industry in, in whatever way that is. Yeah, for sure. And now, obviously, St. Ali's always been a brand that's been in, in South Melbourne. But during 2020, there was a real focus to concentrate on, you know, different verticals within the business. Um, you just have to jump on the website and look what kind of dynamic brand that St. Ali is right mm. now mm. doesn't just focus on coffee. Like what led to those kind of decisions and sort of the evolution of what St. Ali is now? Uh, well, probably survival is 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 the main thing. Um, you know, we... Um, we're faced with the COVID pandemic at the start of 2020. And, you know, um, I guess what we didn't sort of touch on before is our primary business these days is more um, manufacturing. So roasting and um, distributing coffee around Australia and the world. And, you know, when COVID hit um, in early 2020, you know, our core business kind of turned off overnight. You know, we sort of had 80% hit to volume and, you know, it was a pretty scary time. So, um I guess the the pivot or the um, diversification was really just out of necessity. Um, we, you know, we it was definitely a concentrated effort and, and a strategic one, but um, there was a little bit of luck in it as well. You know, we um, we one of the first things we did at the start of the pandemic was make sanitizer, mm. um, and that certainly um, put a spotlight on us and grew our online business. Um, very, very quickly and, and our database very, very quickly. So from that point onwards, you know, we were speaking to a much larger group of people every time we did do something different. Um, and I guess from that point onwards, you know, we sort of tried almost everything. You know, we, um, did, we did sort of delivery sort of breakfast boxes. We did uh, masks. We did caviar, champagne, wine, pizza bases, you name it. Um, it was sort of different every week and... I think probably what we learnt um, through that period is, I guess, the trust people had in the brand. I mean, I was sort of on the front line in the in the warehouse and, you know, um, dealing with dispatch and whatnot and, you know, it would surprise me every day the orders would come through and the things that people would be ordering from us. You know, we'd have people spend 150 bucks and not even buy coffee. You know, wow. they'd, they'd buy, like I said, all those things, you know, pizza mm. bases, stuff for the house, condiments, a gift for a friend. Uh, and not even touch the coffee stuff. So, um, yeah, it sort of gave us confidence um, to try new things. I think coffee is one of those really emotional products that people um, have real loyalty to. Um, and so once you've sort of won them, they sort of they sort of trust you to go in different directions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's probably the, one of the biggest learnings we had through that period. I think it also turbocharged a lot of products or the, the development of a lot of products we'd talked about for a long time. Um, so the, the manufacturing of coffee capsules, um, we brought them to market um, and they've been incredibly successful. I mean, that's a, a huge category for us these days. Um, we went into the ready-to-drink space, so we turned our um, core blends into ready-to-drink concentrates and and uh, cold brew cans, uh, instant coffee, sort of almost every type of way you can ingest coffee we've <laughs> we've sort of we've sort of explored and you know there's been there's been plenty of failures and um, and there's been some great wins along the way. but um, yeah, sort of emerging from the last couple of years, you know, incredibly proud of how we diversified. Um, 
there was absolutely tough periods for sure, don't get me wrong, but, um, yeah, it sort of pushed us to be better and, and be more diversified in how we approach business in 2022. Mm. Can you explain any of the things that maybe didn't didn't work during that time that you wouldn't do again as a brand? Uh, oof, what we wouldn't do now? Uh, look, probably one of the things was that we'll, and, and one of the sort of arrows in the quiver that we thought was one of our sort of competitive advantages at the time was um, delivery. We, we decided we went out to market and saying we will deliver everywhere in Victoria ourselves. At the point, at that point, you know, Ozpost and the like were um, incredibly, you know, snowed under and, you know, deliveries from, you know, here down the road would take three weeks. And <laughs> so we took it into our own hands and um, logistics is hard. Mm, so, it's super hard, isn't it? So one thing uh, we'd never do again is probably logistics on that scale. Mm. Um, and look, the other stuff is more just sort of product failures. I mean, we're you know at, at our heart we're a coffee business, um, and when you start getting into you know manufacturing other products, you know there's a science to it, right? And mm. you know we didn't have that um, know-how or experience to bring a product to market. Um, we do now. You know, we've got a food scientist on staff that you know helps with compliance and food safety and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it didn't come without its um, you know trials and errors. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys debate internally about, especially when you bring on new coffee vertical products like a um, ready-to-drink product that you're selling at Woolworths, or uh, even like something like a coffee capsule, which three or four years ago, like there would have, I imagine there would have been some friction to doing coffee capsules um, nationwide. Mm. How do you sort of decide what Saint Ali will do and won't do? Yeah, good question. Um, look, I think yeah, that's that answer's probably changed over the years as well. I think um, you know we've always been um, pretty um, more unafraid to sort of try new things and, and try things on and see if they stick or don't. Um, so I think, you know, we, we sort of see or react in market, you know, pretty organically if it, if it feels good and, you know, we're confident in the product. That's probably the main thing. You know, if we're confident that we can um, put a, bring a product to market that fits with, I guess, what we want to achieve in terms of quality and, uh, and, and all, of, all of those kind of things, um, then that's probably like the main qualifier. Is it going to be good or shit? If mm. it's shit, you know, we're not going to go near it. Mm. So, yeah, that was probably the main thing um, early days. You know, these days, um, you know, w- one of the things I guess that we didn't mention was, you know, our foray into grocery. Mm. Um, you know, with that's come uh, access to some incredible data on on what people are buying and drinking and how they're spending their money. And um, I guess we've got that kind of data at our fingertips now to sort of inform us of, you know, potential opportunities in market for us to, to, to go into. Mm. Um, in regards with the coffee market right now, where do you sort of see Sain Ali placed and like how do you guys continue to stay relevant in a really saturated market with good quality coffee across Australia and obviously the world but especially in a place like Victoria, like there's such great quality coffee mm. um, because when I started out, you know, in the hospitality industry and when I came to Melbourne about eight or nine years ago, like Sain Ali was the thing, right? Like it, you, it is a top leader in coffee and it still is. Like how do you retain that sort of top spot? Yeah, you're right. And I think Sain Ali, um, you know, it's been around for 16 years now. Um, it's sort of has sort of transformed from, a, I guess, a craft brand into sort of a, a more of a mainstream sort of a, a brand for every man really. Mm. Um 
how does it stay relevant in market? I think, you know, we have always, uh, not, we've never strayed from our original ideals around um, the, the quality of our products um, and that will never change no matter how, you know, big or small we get and, and whatever else we do. Um, how we stay, uh, how we keep our position in market, I think we've, we're probably one of uh, the only coffee brands in market um, that uh, really values creativity is one of its core business values. Um, you know, we've always almost seen ourselves as more of a creative agency um, that does coffee rather than a creative coffee brand. And um, I think that sort of shines through with, um, you know, how we represent ourselves, how we speak to market, how our products look. You know, it's like I said before, coffee's an emotional product, right? Everyone's got their favourite, everyone's, you know, um, and, you know, we like to think that that creativity and, you know, our commitment to creativity sort of continues to give us an edge in market. As you say, there's heaps of good coffee in Melbourne and in Australia these days. But, um, you know, I think uh, that's where we will remain focused and um, where we hope continues to give us edge mm. amongst, a, you know, a pretty crowded space. Because mm. I imagine being as creative as St. Ali is like, there could possibly be some friction amongst other brands that are quite clean and like clean lines and all that kind of stuff when you think about their branding and mm. and that kind of thing. I imagine that's a you always have to be the top of the top. You always have to push the boundary all the time. That must be really uh, exciting yeah. but also very tiring as well to keep doing that, right? Yeah, it is exciting and I think, um, yeah, as, as we've definitely had our missteps or periods where we may have sort of, um, been a bit tired and whatever, but I think every brand does. Mm. But I think, um, you know, we, you know, Salvatore, who's, you know, the, the, the majority are in the business and, and he's a very much an entrepreneurial creative spirit and um, in, in imbued that sort of in the business. And I think um, it's rubbed up rubbed off on us over the years and it's, it's something that we sort of live and die by in the business. Mm. Yeah. What's your feeling on the coffee industry right now, especially the price of coffee? Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with people in coffee the last 12 months talking about, you know, the importance of coffee prices rising to make sure that the, the end producer is getting their cut. Mm-hmm. How are you guys feeling about that right now? Where do you think the coffee price is going to land? Uh, good question. I mean, if I probably knew the answer, I wouldn't, wouldn't be sitting here it's, um, if you had the crystal ball. Yeah. Um, Look, yeah, and, and you're right. I think um, the coffee price did need to come up. I think adjusted for inflation, it sort of has, has been at historic lows the last few years and it is an incredibly difficult time to be a coffee producer, you know, with um, climate change and, and constant pressures uh, elsewhere. It, it's not getting any easier for them. So I think the, the price rise had to come um, and I don't see any sort of short-term relief, you know, on, on the buyer side um, anytime soon. I think um, the probably the, the biggest thing I think out of this period is um, seeing more operators being more confident to adjust their prices. I think, um, you know, you talk about green coffee being in historic lows versus inflation, you know, the cup, the price of a cup of coffee hasn't really changed either. Mm. And I think, you know, we've, we've always been confident to sort of lead on price, but, you know, I speak to so many of our customers who, who were reluctant to, to put the price of their, their, a cup of coffee up. And um, I think that is probably one thing that, you know, has been nice to see in the last sort of six to 12, uh, sort of out of necessity, but, but also, um, 
you know, seeing our, our friends and peers in the industry having more confidence to push prices up to where they should be. Mm. Yeah. Why do you think some brands are reluctant? Do you think it's about competition? Do you think it's... I think so. Look, I mean, Melbourne in particular is like a super saturated market. You know, there's great coffee and great cafes almost on every street, right? So um, I guess inevitably out of that comes a sense that, you know, you you know, you, it's almost like you don't want to be the first mover because, you know, you, you might, um, you know, lose, lose market or, or whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those strange phenomena and, you know, you, you see it in the media every week. If there's a slow news week, it's there's a story about the price of coffee or coffee's good for you, coffee's bad for you. It's very topical, you know. Mm. People are, are sensitive about the price of their cup of coffee more so than, you know, a head of lettuce or, you know, a banana or something like that. They, mm. they yeah, they're really, really sensitive to it for some reason, yeah. Yeah. I remember the time um, during the lockdowns when we were talking about because obviously New Zealand wasn't able to do uh, any kind of takeaway, mm. food or beverage takeaway. Mm. And I remember this conversation about the fact that maybe they would stop that with coffee and we weren't, uh, weren't able to do coffee takeaway and just how that took over the narrative in the city for those couple of days, like that that might change. It's um, Coffee's a very different thing in this country for sure. Well, yeah, and I mean I guess that it, it's sort of coming back to my comments before on, you know, being an emotional product. I mean it is, you know, it is addictive, you know, it is sort of habitual um, but it's also that sort of, it's like a social lubricant, right? You know, it's um, a part of people's day, whether it's at home or in a cafe. It's it's one of those sort of small luxuries that, when it's gone, um, you know, you really care about it. Yeah. So. Do you, Do you think, from a consumer perspective, do you understand why we don't think about coffee in the same way we think about wine to an extent? And the fact that obviously there's obviously really high in coffee, which is um, expensive and and super hard to get. There's that end of the market, but like. I just wonder if we're ever going to hit a point where coffee is going to be $6, $6.50 as a normal and then people come only once a day rather than twice a day to a mm. cafe and, and think about coffee in a, in a different way than what they do right now. Yeah, good question. I think, look, I mean, wine's probably got a couple hundred years um, head start in terms of that sort of level of appreciation. So um, will it get there, you know, on the mainstream level one day? Maybe. Um I guess what coffee's got going against it is just like it's it's value or perceived value, right? You mm. know, it's sort of um, is has been very much seen as a commodity for so long. So changing, you know, mainstream perceptions of it might be hard. Um, will we start to see prices like six fifty or, or whatnot, seven bucks, whatever you want to whatever you want to say, mm. um, more widespread? I think yeah, absolutely. You yep. know, um, that's because that's the right price. That's, yeah. that's what it's worth, you know. Yeah. There, it's a it's a specialty product that's been laboured over for, you know, hours, days, years um, at origin. You know, it's f- finessed over when it finally gets here. Um, you know, it's served in a in a cafe that you know the operators probably spent half a million bucks on. Um, you know, at, at every possible part of the chain, there's been so much care put into these products, but um, you know, the the price or value hasn't really. Uh, adjusted for that so yeah mm. i think i think that's here to stay mm. now i know that obviously you've got this amazing retail arm of the business and, and obviously so much e-com that's going on and now you're starting to open new venues again over mm. the next couple of months uh can you talk about that and why you guys have made that decision yeah for sure look yeah um we did make a decision um uh probably a couple of years back coming into COVID to try and i guess put a halt to 
our hospitality expansion. You know, that had been sort of the business for a long time for us. And as time went on, it sort of flipped on its head and we sort of became more about products, manufacturing and 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 all that comes with that. Um, I think for us in 2022, stores uh, about uh, being a showroom for what we do. Um, and I guess they're strategically, they're going to be strategically placed to help us grow other parts of the business. So the store we have opening in Melbourne Uni, um, that's about us connecting to the next generation of coffee drinkers. So, um, you know, people get started drinking coffee early. Um, you know, we've been away from the, from the uni space for a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, our choice to go back into there was sort of trying to connect with, you know, the, the 20 somethings and get them drinking Sonali and, um, connect with them at an early age. Mm-hmm. Um, another site we've got opening end of this year or early next, um, is in Queen Vic Market. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's obviously a pretty special place for Melbourne and Melbourne food and beverage and, um, you know, when an opportunity came up there, we sort of couldn't say no. Um, that site for us will be an interesting one in that we're actually, it's a coffee and cocktail concept. So one of the, I guess, verticals we've developed into in the last 12 months, and we've got some products coming to market soon, uh, is into liquor. So we've, we've done a bunch of collaborations and they've been super fun and successful and we've um, started to branch out to, to do some of our own products now as well. So this co- this venue will be sort of almost like the temple of coffee. So you can sort of achieve, you can sort of experience coffee in almost every single way. And, um, and that sort of extends into the evening as well. So um, we'll have, uh, you know, a cocktail offering into, into the early evening and um, accompanying food and stuff like that too. So I guess the venues for us, um, it's more about, you know, getting our brand into different spaces. And I think the next steps for us in that space probably won't be in Melbourne. You know, our focus um, is very much on um, uh, interstate expansion and, um, you know, we've uh, recently sort of started to expand to Brisbane and, you know, we've been in Sydney for a long time and I think the next Sonali sites that you see in whatever form will likely be in one of those two markets. Why have you decided to go to Brisbane for? Because um, I'm hearing that a lot yeah, from look, Melbourne brands right now. Well, look, I mean, I think a lot of us um, Melbourneites moved up there in the last <laughs> couple of years. You know, we point. were sort of um, stuck in our houses and um, longing for something better. And I think Queensland was the sort of green pastures on the horizon. So um, there's a lot of, um, yeah, as you say, there's a lot of our friends and peers have, have moved up there and, um, you know, we had an opportunity and we've uh, recently purchased a, another roasting brand up there, um, which gives us a um, bricks and mortar location in, in Brisbane uh, and really gives us a sort of springboard to, to move into that market in a bigger way. Like we, we, we've been up there um, for a number of years um, in, in a wholesale capacity, but, you know, Sonali, the venue is so important and so special to us here and sort of shapes people's understanding of our brand and I think for us to truly expand and be successful in other markets, we kind of need to bring a bit of that magic to those areas too. So, um, yeah, that's coming up. What do you think makes a St. Ali venue special? Because obviously I think of like the Collins Street location you guys did with Mercedes Me. Mm. Is it is it to the, sort of that level or is it about really high 
high-end kind of quality because if you're going to, you know, university, talking about accessibility and, and mm. things like that as well with a great experience, right? And look, not necessarily. I think there's something about Sonali that's sort of more intangible than like something like quality. I think, um, you know, you, you walk into Sonali, it's, it's a rundown old warehouse um, but it's sort of the way it makes you feel, right? You sort of you sort of walk in, it's um, down a, a back alleyway, but the moment you walk in there, you feel like, wow, you know, I'm walking to something special, you know. The, it's, it's, it's hard to put a finger on um, and it's sort of something that can't really be replicated with a, a fancy fit out or, mm. or, um, or, you know, a beautiful dish. I think it's, you know, there's, there's certain venues and there's, pl- there's, you know, plenty of them that sort of manage to sort of tap into that I don't know, something that sort of secret source. Yes. And I think Sonali somehow m- managed to do that. You know, we've always, um, you know, hospitality is about people, right? Mm. So, you know, your, your coffee or food can be fantastic, but, you know, un- unless, you know, your people are connecting with your customers, they're probably not going to come back. Um, so um, I think for us we've always been about, um, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, m- making feel people making people feel good when they come in um, and sort of bringing them um, behind the curtain and, um, you know, I guess making them feel special, yeah. I think. Yeah. Is that hard to train the team on to actually deliver on that in a venue setting? Because yeah. if you're talking about a feeling like yeah. it's something that takes a while to sort of absolutely. learn that, right? Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And look, mm. we, we still get it wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like it's not, it's not we're not perfect by any stretch, but um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Mm. You know, it's 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 not something that you can necessarily put in a SOP document, right? Um, <laughs> yes. Make yeah. people feel special. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, uh, but when it's but when you get it right, you know, it's it's good. You know, I mean, you're a hospitality guy. You, you, you know, it's those mm. it's those little things um, that separate the good from the great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In regards with the the Queen Vic Market site, and obviously doing a coffee and cocktail, did the idea for the cocktail come first and then the site came and it was sort of an equal an equal time like an equal marriage so to speak or did the site opportunity come up and then you guys thought about how to make it work and then liquor was sort of a natural extension no look we've we've been looking um at the liquor space for a while mm-hmm. um i think the site yeah it was definitely sort of the, the concept first um you know we've been incredibly lucky there it's a Beautiful, beautiful site and the Munro Street development with cathedral ceilings and, you know, north facing. It's, you know, we'd be, be perfect. Um, so, yeah, no, it was definitely uh, the, the liquor came first. And, you know, for us, you know, we're and the people in our business are sort of passionate F&B hospo people, right? So yep. we, we, we enjoy good food, good booze, good coffee. Um, and it's sort of just like a natural extension for us. So, mm. yeah, which is why it's exciting. Um, you know, we're really happy with how our products are starting to come together. Um, and I think what's exciting for us too is there's no real sort of roaster-led coffee products in market. You know, a lot of the coffee products out there are, you know, are spirit companies or, um, or yeah, yeah, I don't know, co- collaborations, but there's yeah. nothing that's sort of being driven by the roaster. And I think, you know, what I said before about loyalty, um, I think that's why it's exciting because, you know, we know that, you know, our brand com- commands loyalty. So I, I'm hopeful and excited that a foray from us into that space should bring results. Mm. Yeah. My final question too is like with all those great things going on, like what are you most excited about for 2023? Look, I'm look, I'm probably biased. I'm probably most excited about the Queensland expansion. I yeah. think um, 
for us, we've always been, you know, proudly Melbourne born and bred. Um, I'm from that part of Queensland, so I guess for me it's sort of a bit of a homecoming. Mm. Um, but no, I'm excited to take the brand nationally. I think um, coffee is an incredibly parochial thing, um, uh, but I think Sonali can be successful in, in other markets and I'm excited for those next steps to really truly commit to, to a new market and, um, and see where that takes us. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you haven't been to the St. Ali website, it's going to be linked up in the show notes of this podcast. It's one of the best um, cafe coffee websites uh, in Australia, if not the world. It's so dynamic. Uh, so make sure you check it out. Lachlan, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, John. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Raw, brought to you by Lightspeed and the Poe Network. We hope you really enjoyed the episode and we'd love for you to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. It would mean a lot to us and we'd love to hear your feedback on this series. To find out more about Lightspeed and how they can ignite your business and hospitality, you can find them at lightspeedhq.com.au. Thanks so much for tuning to another episode and until next time, stay well, everyone.